0: Welcome to another episode of From the Shed End Podcast. It's been a while. Um, this is episode 68. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, subscribe to the channel, first of all. I'm sure everyone gets sick of me saying that. Um, and you'll see that Theo isn't here. He's away on his travels still, as I said he would be. But we are joined by a very, very special guest. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself and let the listeners know as well, um, your own channel. I know you've got your own podcast channel and YouTube channel as well that's doing really well. No,
1: thank, thanks. for I mean, appreciate it. Obviously, I'm Charlie. I'm um, a massive Chelsea fan. Got my got a podcast with, with, uh, with one of my mates, George. I've also got a YouTube channel as well called The Blues Brothers, where we kind of just do a bit of everything, really. Match previews, match reviews, and transfer news, whatever. Basically, all Chelsea news is covered on there. So yeah, if you want to go and check that out and subscribe to my channel as well,
0: then yeah, please do so yeah cheers charlie thanks for joining us as well but it's been a while as i said we we haven't done a podcast episode for a while and strangely as i was sort of getting set up i thought it was only last week that thomas Tuchel was actually still in charge Mate, at Chelsea. It's it's so quick in it yeah it's been a it's been a weird week so um i want to take it all the way back because i think it's only right we do that for the podcast um for anyone who's a, a watcher of the um the youtube you'll know i've definitely voiced my opinions about thomas Tuchel. and we've mentioned around the second already but for the audio um, Um, podcast listeners just what was your 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 thoughts about Thomas Tuchel as Chelsea manager first of all I mean he had 100 games at Chelsea um, a good milestone to have unfortunately didn't get to see out another 50 or another 50 as he put it in one of his press conferences but what was your thoughts about Thomas Tuchel and his his time at Chelsea because I you know I've got my own opinions and I'm sure Theo is but what's yours uh, I think
1: it's a phenomenal job. Um, you know, all, all things considered, you know, coming in in a difficult period in, in January when he replaced, obviously, Frank Lampard and within five months, delivers the Champions League with with the same set of players that didn't look like doing anything, if, 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 if we're being perfectly honest. I think we were, what, ninth or tenth on the table when he took over. Um, and to, to come in and to transform it, you know, he obviously comes in, switches to a three at the back um, or back five. We've we've had success with that under Antonio Conte with different players though, but he's coming, and that, that, so I don't think it should be under understated how huge that impact is to take a team that is struggling, playing awful football, ninth in the table in January to in May winning the Champions League, and not only winning the Champions League, but the teams that we beat along the way, and the fact that we, I think we conceded four goals in the whole in the whole tournament. I think that's the best defensive record. In, in in the Champions League history, when under Lampard, we were we were shipping goals left, right, and centre <laughs> with, with 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 the same players. I think you know he used his experience, bringing mm. the likes of Rudiger back in from the cold. I hadn't really seen him very much. Bringing Jorginho back as well, um, you know, sort of key players that under Lampard for whatever reasons weren't featuring. Um, to then bring those back in, I think that's kind of where Tuchel using his experience, his know-how within the game, to kind of get senior pros on side. And the way that he developed the likes of Rudiger, how Silva kicked on even more under him as well, um, Reece James developing, Ben Chilwell developing, etc., and, and, and whatnot. Like it's that that job was phenomenal. I think I think he has done really well. You know, reaching six of a seven available finals. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking two penalties kicks away from having another two trophies in, in the cabinet. And you're looking you're looking at things very differently, and perhaps that buys him a little bit more time. But I think his time has been plagued by things that no football manager should have to be talking about, you know, war in Ukraine, sanctions for the club, which is nothing to do with him. But I think the guys above him, right? oh, wow. I, th- I think they're a little bit spineless to be perfect. Yeah. I and mean, it's, you know, not apart from Petacek, no one coming out and saying anything, you know, obviously we have we we communications from Roman through statements, through his people and, and whatnot. Far, we know that Roman doesn't speak very much publicly anyway. We kind of expect that, but for like someone, for like chairman Bruce Buck to just be, Silent on this, nothing on the super league from Buck, and then nothing yep. on the sanctions from Bruce Buck as well. They almost fed him to the wolves, really. And like he's trying to focus on the football, and it, you get every press conference is not about football, it's about it's about Ukraine, which is which has nothing to do with him. So I think you know, he had a tough hand there. I thought he handled himself perfectly. Um, you know, he, he speaks very well, he's an intelligent guy, he's an honest guy. Um, mm. but ultimately, you know, that that can be a little bit distracting, but at the end of the day. The results on the pitch, they they've not been good. They they haven't been good for 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 a while. We've been? It's not just the start of this season. The back end of last season was really poor yep. as well. Preseason um, as well. Pre-season terrible. Mm. Um, you, you could almost argue that really, since Christmas, as in last Christmas, where we obviously went on a <laughs> poor Christmas period, we we haven't really played very well at all since Christmas. There's a handful of games where we've played yeah. well, but generally speaking, consistently, haven't played well since Christmas. And that's, look, there's obviously context to that with everything that's going on outside the club. But when you're looking at just results and football at the end of the day is a results-based business, people don't like to apply context to things. But yeah, the, the results haven't been great. I mean, I, I think he's done a great job. I, I do, you know, obviously winning us a Club World Cup, winning a Super Cup, you know, completing the yeah. set for the club. But when you look at, you know, was he was he building a team for the future? I'm I'm I love him, but I'm not sure he's one of those managers that you know you come in to win. Now Chelsea's never yeah, gone with yeah. a quote unquote projects manager. Look at the names of the managers we've we've employed: Mourinho, constant success. Like you're looking at instant success. Come in, yeah. have an instant impact, win a load of trophies, two three seasons tops, and then you move on. You know we've never we've never had a project manager. And I, if you look back at where Tuchel's been at, at his previous clubs. He's never been someone that stays at a club for more than two to three years either. So mm-hmm. you're asking Tuchel to go through something that he's not really done as a manager. And you can see, I can quite easily see how the visions didn't align and how they yeah. how they were fallings out, particularly when you've got to deal with people that are very successful business people, but no disrespect to them. They don't know anything about football. These guys mm. are completely new to the sport, and when there's no structure above him, there's no surprise that the best work he did was when he first came in with that structure of Mourinho and Chek above him. Yeah. And he hasn't hasn't didn't really have much to say to, to not much communication with Roman, um, you know. And Mourinho and Chek kind of just do do what they do. And two guys a bit of an input, but he can very much focus on on the coaching football. Yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas this summer, you know, new owners come in, he's cleared out the the hierarchy above him. Fine, you know, I get it. New guys are going to come in, and they're going to want their own people in. That's cool. I'm I'm I am i have not got a problem with that. But my problem is that if you're going to do that, make sure you've got some people lined up to come mm. in. I'm not. That's I'm what not surprised saying, me. That surprised but, me a lot. But in in fact, in slight defence of them, though, I think Bowley wanted to keep check. But I think you know. You oh, wanted as, to leave. Yeah, you know, I think you know that. You when you're when a new guy comes and you're kind of surplus to requirements, you know that you're going to be eventually mm. replaced. So you like he took his he took his opportunity to go. But yeah, I'm surprised that perhaps there wasn't people lined up before clearing out that hierarchy. Because by clearing that hierarchy out, Bolley was effectively acting as sporting director. And he was asking a lot of Thomas Tuchel to like you know regular meetings, um, thoughts on transfers, this and that. You know, much more active role than any manager would normally have. And I think you could tell he was looking strained. It was like it was taking its toll on him. You know, the, the pre season it was awful. And I know that the Bowley didn't didn't plan that tour. It was obviously the previous administration that planned the tour. But yeah. at the end like, at the end of the day, you know, signs were there in pre season that. This was taking a toll on him, having all this extra responsibility, and, and I think it was quite telling when the when the window closed that you no, know, he was just relieved. He was just like, "I'm just so glad I can just concentrate on football again." I'm not making excuses for why I've played so badly yeah, this yeah. season, but it's quite no, right. clear. It's quite clear that he hasn't been able to 100 focus on the on the football, on on improving hmm. the side, and you can tell from our performances that perhaps his messages weren't getting across to the players, or they had noticed that he wasn't. One hundred percent on kind of improving the team or, or whatever, and and it, and it kind of came to a head. So I think he's done a phenomenal job. Um, one of the best managers we've had. Um, sort of for me, I think the closest kind of guy we've had to Mourinho since since him. Um, yeah. but but ultimately, like with him going, was I was I surprised? No, but I was the one thing that did surprise me was kind of the timing of it. For me, it was either get rid of this guy before the window even open, like just get rid of him before pre season and whatnot. Yeah. like get just get to the World Cup or get to the international break and then and then reassess there. I mean if you if you <laughs> if he's not your guy, he's not your guy. But I just think why why sort of get, spend two to three hundred million pounds on players that have got heavy input from him. I'm not going to don't get me wrong. Graham Potter is not going to be annoyed that he's got to work with... He's <laughs> inherited some or, good uh, players. Like, <laughs> who he knows, and and like yeah. a uh Sterling. and They don't going to be annoyed about that. Of course he's not, but...
0: He just hasn't had his say, has he? He hasn't had his input. Yeah. Into that and, yeah.
1: Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't surprised at the sacking, mate, but I, I was more surprised at kind of the timing around it just because, mm. for me, if you're going to get rid of someone, get rid of them before the season starts or at least get to come kind of an international break or, or the World Cup I don't think that things weren't great on the pitch at all and yeah for sure they could have got a bit worse and if you're going to pull if you what's the point of waiting two weeks you know, if you're going to get rid of him just I suppose just get rid of him but yeah okay. it, I, I, was, I was disappointed but ultimately I'm not really surprised
0: no I'm I'm, I'm definitely with you 100% you know he made some really good points I think you know, you look at when Thomas Tuchel took the job. That first game, Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think it was nil nil. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a brilliant game, as much as there was no goals. Because we, if you remember how we were playing under Fred Lampard, and you know, we were crying out for just something to change, and and we got to see that. I remember there was a, a promo video of Tuchel's first training session, yeah. um, a very small clip from uh, on the, the the fifth stand up, and you could just notice the difference in the training. Um, we didn't get to see it on the Lampard, but you could tell that there was something different about Tuchel coming in, doing really well. And just over the, the couple of months, you've just got to see this energy and um, belief, desire from Tuchel just sucked out of him. You know, obviously he's had off-field, uh, you know, his marriage is broken down as well. COVID, he had to deal with that as well. There were so many things that were just against him. Um, again, I think Wolves, maybe at Molyneux, I think we had three outfield players and two subs on the bench and it was well, things that like that. It was t- wait, honestly, we're terrible. <laughs> we're about three keepers on the bench just to fill yeah, it. I, I couldn't believe And everyone else's games at the time were getting postponed, mm. if you remember, and it was just, oh, our games were never postponed. There's not an excuse to say that, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, we, it's not an excuse because you know we still have to, we still got 11 quality players on the pitch. We should still be able to do sort of do a job, but it does hamper your options off the bench as well. Um, i just think it was i think it was more the back end like you said after christmas i think there was a massive congestion if you remember um last december we were playing almost a game every three days i think or something silly um mendy cup, african cup of nations as well kepa actually came in and done really well i think there was a game um at the fa cup a couple of the fa cup games he'd done really well um but it was just it was just after christmas and then obviously we it was just, you could just tell, I think from preseason this this season starting, you could tell that something wasn't right. Um, the sanctions didn't help in terms of strategy, in terms of recruitment, but I just think in terms of the connection between Todd Bowley and Thomas Tuchel just didn't align and you could see that. And I think you you hit one of the, the nails on the head in terms of, you know, when any, any change in any, it doesn't have to be football, just any of the business. If a new owner comes in, he's definitely got, a vision He's got something that he wants to do, and he's normally get rid of the old hierarchy, bringing your own. Um, I agree with you. I was very shocked when Marina Gronasky left, and there was no real replacement, Bruce Buck, the same as well. Um, there was no real urgency to get anyone in and maybe looking back, that was Todd Bowley's idea. You know, I'll, I'll take this summer transfer window um, on my shoulders and, and just try and carry it through through to um, when the window shuts. And even the director of football, now there's, you know, that's suddenly picked up again. And we're talking about, um, you know, PSG and this person, Arby Salzburg's um, director of football at the moment. I think we're looking at loads of different, different options. Um I I agree with you. I wasn't shocked. And again, if you've been listening or watching the YouTube videos, you'll know that I've always been saying time is taken for Thomas Dougal. The performances haven't been good. Players have been played out of position for for obvious reasons, especially before we had Wesley Fofana. You know, we saw Reece James playing right centre-back and I think Ruben Loft's cheek was right wing-back at times as well. It worked. I think it worked really well. It was almost a hybrid right wing-back. It worked, but it's not ideal. Um, But I think for me, I think it was... And I, it's easy to say this now, but after the Zagreb game in Croatia, you could just tell the players are down tools. There was a, a disconnect between well, two and the players.
1: He, he just sat on the like you, you you're sort of associated with being out, out, out in his technical area, like shouting yeah. instructions and that. He's like barely sits down in the games. Yeah, you know, it's towards the end of his reign. Like literally, he nothing the, from He spent the whole game just sat in the dugout. Yeah, nothing, nothing from him at all. Just chatting to his assistant every so often. Just nothing, and you can tell then like having seen what he, what he has been like compared to what he was like at the end, you knew that the end was, the end was near and that's, yeah. there was a lot more going on behind the scenes than, than we were ever led on to believe.
0: Yeah. I do think it's a shame because I think he, he definitely, like you said, he's probably been arguably our best manager since Jose Mourinho. Um, very successful in a hundred games to win the trophies that he did the elusive uh, club world cup as well that we've all been wanting to see as Chelsea fans. You know, we, we were unfortunate under Rafa Benitez. I think the the first attempt at trying to win that. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's still got, you know, he's got years ahead of him. You know, I think one of the the, the things that, and uh, I think you read it as well uh, on one of the tweets was when he released his statement and, you know, he almost said, you know, he's so, you could tell that the passion was still there for him. I think it's just, as you said, a massive disconnect between owner and and manager, but it was just, it was just hard to read because, you know, you don't really get managers that, close and passionate and you know take the, the club in as much you know they normally just take their compensation package and they move on to another job and you know wash the hands of the club but I don't think that is the case with Thomas because I think he does generally have a lot of love um, for the club which is which is a shame for him you know it's a, it's a shame um, how it ended but to have that on, on your CV for 100, 100 games and those trophies and you know the way we started the season the facts you know we had to all like you mentioned all those things that were happening in between the season as well I think it's a, a, a you know if anything it's just shows how well how good of a manager he is that he can cope under those pressures you know not many managers could do that so um it is a shame I agree um very quickly we we and I I've got to ask you this. I mean I, I have the assumption that Todd Bowley was always looking at Graham Potter before, you know, for for months, I think. I, mm-hmm. I look at some of the sign-ins. I think were they Thomas Tuchel sign-ins, maybe Abamyang of course, was a Thomas Tuchel signing. Um, you know, he's, he's he's you know, you mentioned Thomas uh, Abamyang to Thomas Tuchel and his eyes light up, so you can tell that was a, a sign-in from Thomas Tuchel. But you look at Mark Kukarea, you look at Raheem Sterling were they Thomas Tuchel signings or were they Todd Bowley with the cosign of you're going to work with these players uh, Thomas Tuchel whether you like it or not these are the players we're bringing in um, I feel that Graham Potter I mean I think we sat to Thomas Tuchel very early um, Wednesday morning I think it was yeah. and within the, the afternoon you know Brighton had yeah, come out yeah
1: within 24 hours he <laughs> was he he was he was, he was in place as a new manager it was
0: done I, I, I mean that does. I mean maybe brian just didn't want to stand in his way which could easily be the case but you just look at how quick that was done brian said yeah no problem we'll take the you know the the 20 million or whatever yeah. it was we need to pay and you know there was a, a meeting set up wednesday evening with graham potter and he was in he's in place you know he was announced i think thursday so do you feel that well, it was two questions but do you feel that that was the case that some of these signings potentially just Todd Bowley thinking ahead, thinking if we do sack Thomas Tuchel or Thomas Tuchel walks or whatever the case is, that at least we've got proven Premier League players that, um, you know, Graham Potter might be able to work with until the summer window opens.
1: I think as far back as pre-season, there was like, they were kind of thinking about it, replacing Tuchel as far back as pre-season. You could like, they weren't, they weren't, they didn't take kindly to the, to the comments particularly after the Arsenal game about <laughs> it's about the same it's like the same, same players spot. so so yeah. what, what, what are you expecting to change I don't think they took too kindly to those comments I mean sometimes you're like being so honest can also work against you um mm. and I think in pa- perhaps in that instance it did even out of respect that they comes out and says it how it is I think the owners looked to that and they weren't best pleased with that but yeah so as far back as pre-season they were looking at they were thinking about possibly replacing him um, so this isn't something that's yeah. just like appeared out of nowhere. You don't sack someone on a Wednesday morning and then think, "Oh shit, who, 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 who should who's yeah, try to get Let's go and now? get Paul. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're, you're 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 already in talks with these guys beforehand. They would have they would have known that like they they were going to sack Tuchel. They would have known that last week or, week or at least a week before. They haven't just made this decision. This is a decision that's been weeks, maybe months in in the making, thinking about it, talking about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, that's how football works. We know that's how football works, you know. It's 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 cutthroat, you know. One one day the guy's in the job and you think, you think you're think you going to be there for a while and you're only to chat into someone new to replace you to make sure it's all sorted when you for when you get sacked off. So, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm under no illusions of that. That was definitely the case. Graham Potter, for me, the signings, I've been screaming for so long for Chelsea's recruitment strategy to, to change in terms of, like, signing players from within the Premier League because mm. under Roman we always went for big just big names across yeah. across Europe it was always big names it was never guys of Premier League experience it was never sort of kind of taking a punt on players that might work out like for example like Chelsea would never do a, a like a Diego Jota signing like Liverpool did like oh, under yeah. Roman that just wasn't a thing but yeah. now I look at it under Boley and I think do you know what like whatever people think of him I think he's had. I think he's had a really good impression in, 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 in the window. Like, yeah. he's 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 bats, he's he's invested in the squad. Look, you can argue he had to do it. Of course, we had to replace players, aging players. You know, there's a there's a quite a big misbalance in certain areas of the squad. Some areas are really stocked, others are massively understocked. But mm. I think he's done, I think he's done well. But you look at the signings and you think these are signings that. That any manager can work with.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like personally,
1: yep. I think if you're a good manager, you're going to love the opportunity to work with one of the best upcoming defenders in Fafana, one of the best defenders in Europe and could have buy. Raheem yep. Sterling in his prime at 27 years of age. Um, a Bamiyang okay, maybe not as much, but you still think, you know, he's got, go- he's got goals in him. Career. He's got pedigree. Yeah. You're like, this yep, is not yep. just kind of like a. Sort of a kind of a has been. He's 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 yeah. still got a bit about him. So you look at it. Obviously, he knows Kukarere very well. He bought him over to England in the first place. He he knows him well. That's obviously going to be a big plus. So I mean, it's mm. it's hard to tell whether the signings were made in mind with. Graham Potter taking over? Do we want to make signings that, you know, Premier League experience that sort of most managers can work with? It's, it's hard to tell, but for sure, like definitely they were speaking to Potter beforehand because I, to be honest, there's no way that Todd Bowley even knew who Graham Potter was <laughs> uh, like 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 yeah. a, a few months ago or, or, or whatever it was. But, I mean, yeah, look, for sure, I think that has happened. And that does happen. We know it happens. And it's given it's giving Potter an opportunity to to work with a squad of players that still needs a lot of investment, in my opinion. There'll be money to spend in January. He'll want to do his own thing. He's brought his own recruitment guy in from Brighton that's helped yeah. you know, unearth the likes of, like, Basuma in the past, uh, the Ka- Kaisale that's there. Now, you know, Brighton buy very well as well. So yeah. it's interesting that, I mean... The backing that Potter's has already been given in terms of five-year contracts. When do you ever see a Chelsea manager given a five? I know contracts don't mean anything, but 2 cool, initial eighteen-month contract. Yeah. But like to so give him five years contracts to pay twenty million to game in the first place, plus an extra two million for his staff to bring his recruitment guy in to let mm. him have a say in a director of foot- in the next director of football. This is backing for
0: a Chelsea manager that we've yeah. never seen before. Yeah. It shows. It shows as well that you know, and I'm already talking about sacking. Second- Graham Potter, Which I, I don't think will happen. But if we were to sack him after two, or, you know, two seasons, he's still got three years left on that deal, so it's more yeah. money to pay out. So I think I think Todd Bowley. And I know when uh, Thomas Tuchel was sacked, it kind of divided the the fan base. You know, some people say it's more reactionary again, and we're just doing the same as what Roman would do. And I don't think that's the case. I think you know Todd Bowley had to get didn't have to get rid of Thomas Tuchel. He decided to get rid of Thomas Tuchel because he didn't align with the vision. And I think he's brought in Graham Potter, who will. You know, they've obviously had this conversation. This is not a, a one year, two year project. This is a long term project. We see you as the man to do that. We're backing you 100. percent We want you to be here for five years plus. You know, and I think that's I think that's the right thing to do. You know, I think that's it. It, it makes sense. Um, I'm I'm, I mean, obviously we've got to have reservation around Graham Potter, and we'll talk about the the Salzburg game uh, shortly. But I, I think he is potentially the only candidate, maybe bar potuccino that i would have wanted at the club and and potuccino experts did, i i mean if he, he didn't do that well at p s g so i was a very very reserved about that as well and i think having graham potter in um gives us the opportunity to 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 almost reset the the, the whole team you know reset the club reset the team um move forward in an almost in a liverpool way like you mentioned around you know having a diego jota but having those kind of signings come in and just give the manager the time i think that's the the key thing we've got to give him the time to be able to to embed um what he wants to bring to this club and to the team um I, i think it's easy for us to all sit and say, you know, we didn't win, um, you know, against Salzburg. But I think there was pluses positive to take from that game. hundred um, percent. Before we get onto the Salzburg game, I want to talk about Angolo Kante who, and Jorginho, the two of them, but more so Angolo Kante, because there was reports earlier this week that he'd refused a two, I think it was a two and a half year deal. Might've got that wrong. So don't it quote two, me, but... It
1: was two plus one, I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So option to extend. So, yeah, um, I don't really see how we can turn that down, based on the fact he misses half the season, mm. and when he goes on international duty, he comes back injured, and he's definitely still a world class player. Let's let's have that right first of all. He's definitely someone that we we miss when he's not in the team, hundred percent. But do you do you think? What well, I mean, I, I just can't see what is he holding out for? Three years, four years? Well, I think days?
1: under under the pre under the previous regime under Roman, like they were very close to agreeing a three plus one, and. Like for me, no, I, I love Kaneo. He's been phenomenal for Chelsea since since he's been here. But there's no denying that he is he can still perform to a very good level, as we saw in the run to the Champions League final, as we've seen in certain Premier League games. But fact of the matter is that I think he's either, I think he's the second highest paid player at Chelsea. Mm. Um, and as important as he is to the team, you can't be a key player if you're missing so many games. Yeah, and his injury record, particularly over the last two seasons. But like the guy can barely play two games in a row now without getting injured. <laughs> yeah, so, like true. for me, if he's going to stay, he's like he's he, he's not going to be able to have it on the terms that he wants because his injury record and his the amount of games that he's missing means that he's not really in the driving seat for these negotiations. He's going to for me, I'd, I'd like can I've got no problem with Kante staying, but it's got to be on the proviso that he reduces his wages drastically. And he's not. We're not going to be offering him a, a, a three-year deal with an option for a fourth because someone that's what thirty-one with 30-31 with his injury record, you've potentially got him on the books that he's thirty-five on big yeah. money, and you're going to. And we've seen this in the past. Players on big money in their late thirties, and you can't get rid of them. So for me, yeah. I'm 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 happy for him to stay. But he's it's, for me, it's a it's a two plus one deal, or even a one plus one. Yeah, and and reduce the money and try and improve your injury record because he's not in a position now to be demanding big money still and wanting a re- relatively long term contract for that age.
0: Yeah, because I think I think under Roman Abramovich, if you hit thirty, it was normally a one. It was always one, just a year, one year rolling, one yeah. year with the option to extend for a year. If you think yeah. back to, um, I think isn't that one of the reasons why Frank Lampard left as well? I yeah. can't remember. I, I mean,
1: that. it used to, it was mad. It used to be like John Terry once he hit thirty. These yeah. were constant, just one year rolling one deals. It's yeah.
0: mad. Yeah. And I think, I think I agree with you 100%. I think Kante's definitely out of the two. I think you'd expect Jorginho or Kante to leave in the summer. Mm. I think the two won't be here because there hasn't been any contract talks that I'm aware of with Jorginho, um, unless it's just been, you know, done behind closed doors. But you would expect one of the two to go. You look at the, um, the players that we're, we've been linked with over the, the last tr- transfer window, you'd expect a midfielder to come in in the next summer window, at least maybe in January, if, at a push if we can. But um, I, I agree with you. I think it's such a weird thing from Cante. He doesn't seem like the type of player that would, you know, cause a Foss or do an Antonio Rüdiger and a Christensen and, trying, you know, haggle his way through a contract. He's almost, I mean, you know, everyone's got to look after themselves and be selfish, of course. But you just think, based on his injury records, Does he need to give up his international career does he need to stop playing for france to try and keep himself fit and maybe get that additional year out of him and and just keep himself fit a bit more you know the role that he plays at the club you know in that midfield you're always going to pick up injuries because of the 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 role that is expected of him to play and the the manner that he has to play the intensity of the game as well but i i mean i i love him as a player you know he's definitely been like i said we miss him when we don't have him in this in the squad but you know I, i just can't see the the rationale behind having a player that's in the treatment room, treatment room more than he is on the pitch you know on, on a big deal like that and like you said you know Todd Bowley's had to you know pay off the likes of Os Barkley and, and those sort of players have had to to just be paid up you know I think he had three, two or three years left on his, his deal um, and and had to be paid off to to get off the books and we don't want to be in that position again and I don't think the new owners will I, I think they won't they won't back down you know they'd rather spend that money on bringing a player in yeah. and allowing Kante to leave on a free
1: yeah, I, I, I'd to you, I wouldn't completely rule out both of them leaving. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen seen things, I think it might have been in the in the athletic possibly about Kante wanting a new challenge and the fact that he doesn't feel he's got as many close relationships within the squad as he has done in the past. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't be, look, out, out of the two, Kante is definitely nailed on to more likely to stay than Jorginho is. I think it's almost certain that Jorginho is, is going to be moving on in the summer. I think that's kind of common knowledge unless, mm. unless there's kind of a remarkable U-turn um, but I wouldn't rule out both of them leaving either I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised at Kante's age if it's a sort of play you could see him going to PSG so, something, yeah, something like that
0: nice uh, easy go to,
1: yeah, yeah nice go back to France, play for a bit but yeah I mean out of the two I'd rather keep Kante but for me as I said, as I said on 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 different terms and mm. oh, he needs to be managed there as well because as a yeah. manager because he's so because he can be so good you want to play him all the time but Kante's is not what he was a few years ago. It's, I know it's so tempting to just chuck him in and as fans are like, oh, why are we playing Kante? But you look back like last season and whatnot, you're looking at games at home against like mm. lower-level teams, no disrespect to them, games that we obviously drop points in. But like when you're playing against a Burnley at home, you don't need to play Kante and Jorginho. Like you, yeah, like just it's, one, it's one not of necessary. the two. Yeah, it's not yeah. necessary. So I think Kante, if he's going to stay, needs to be managed better. doesn't need yeah. to be played every week. Just use him for the big games. But yeah, out of the two, he's more likely to stay. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out both of them leaving. To be honest,
0: yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that's the way forward. And I, and this is why I think going back to the Graham Potter part, I think this is why he's been brought in because I think he he potentially wouldn't mind losing both of them because he potentially will have key players that he wants to bring in, you know once we get director of football, I can, I can see us really trying to hit the, the transfer window hard. I think in the summer, I know we've done that this, this window 250 mm. odd million, but I think we're going to try and do that in the next summer as well. And, and you know, there, there are some really good midfielders out there, you know, um, obviously not Zachariah who can't get a game at the moment, but there, there are some good, good midfielders out there um, that could easily replace them. And I think, you know, from what todd bowley's been trying to do he's trying to bring in youth players you know, younger players players that he can keep at the club for you know a duration of time and build from that way as opposed to bringing in you know albeit Thiago silva has been amazing but rather than not bringing in someone who's at the end of their career bringing in a, a youngster who's got the, the the potential and the capability to get a lot better as well so uh, i i agree with you i wouldn't i wouldn't be annoyed to see both of them leave because they've both been good players at times for us as well um but it is what it is. I think, you know, I don't think players have the, the option to hold the owner or the club at ransom anymore. Yeah. Almost what Christensen did to an extent, maybe Rudiger, if he were going to do, you know, a, a Marcus, or, you know, those players that almost, you know, they've come to the end and they feel that they have the power. I don't think broly really cares. I'll, I'll really be honest. I don't think he cares about, you know, contracts and, and, you know, is trying to get as, as much as they want from, from a, a selfish point of view. If he doesn't agree with what is on the table, he just won't allow the contract to be signed off. So, and I like that as well. I like that a hundred percent, but let's talk about our Champions League game. Let's talk about our Champions League campaign actually, because Dinamo Zagreb was poor. Yeah. Um, RB Salzburg was a, a better performance, but still poor in spells. We've got two back-to-back games of AC Milan, <laughs> which is not going to be easy. Uh, let's, let's talk about Salzburg. What was your thoughts on the performance? Let's talk about the lineup, because I think it was, it was a very... I mean, Graham Potter was always going to have to change things slightly. Um, but what was your thoughts on the lineup uh, initially?
1: Um a little bit confused initially, trying to work out what sort of system it was was like initially I thought it was a four, and I was like, nah, there's no way he's playing Aspie alongside Thiago Silva in a centre back <laughs> pairing. Um but like if you look at how Graham Potter sets up uh in Brighton, it's very much like a back three, but then the w- quote unquote wing backs are like oh, almost goodness. playing as like wingers in the final third. And then you see like the the two kind of central midfield players when those wing backs are high up the pitch, will then drop in and defend and defend. um you know like, I, the, 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 lineup itself very much reminded me of Tuchel's first game. Yeah. Went, yeah. went, went, went with experience. So he went with Aspen Aquetta. Um He obviously, you know, he went with Kukure what he, he, someone he knows. Um, he obviously goes with, with experience and a Bamiang rather than Brozier. Um, he goes with you know Sterling Mount plays as well you know these like he, he's got he's gone with kind of what he knows and he's gone with experience like Thomas Tuchel very much did when he went you know they, when he played at the five at the back you know he went he reverted back to Giroud he brought Jorginho Junior back and he brought Rudiger in yeah. like you know they, I think managers when they come in and I I, I don't really I, I don't agree with this the the necessarily the, the kind of the trailer thought that oh it's your first game you've got to play your captain like for me. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's that's necessary, but I can understand why Potter kind of maybe in the, in his first game, kind of his first game in the Champions League, his first game as a manager of Chelsea, of a big football club, like he probably wants to try and get, keep these kind of senior players on side from the off, which is perhaps why he's played actually. But in terms of the lineup, you know, not, not too many complaints of it. You know, I'm pleased to see Mason Mount deployed deeper. I think he can be far yeah. more effective there than he is in a in, 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 in little bit than he is closer to the goal um Kovacic obviously a no-brainer Jorginho in that six and then obviously Sterling James and then Abamyang with Havers kind of floating off him so realistically mate, I didn't, wouldn't have done too much differently obviously I wouldn't have played Espen Aquesta I would have played Kulabai or Fafana but yeah. other than that like I can understand why he went with the picks that he did
0: yeah I I, I think it was my yeah my only concern was seeing you know um, I think Aspia Quetta must be thirty-one, thirty-two, might yeah. be thirty-three. And Tiago Silva, I think yes, they turned thirty-eight. So yeah. you've got two players who aren't naturally their fast. They, you know, they're not known for their speed no. anymore at that point. point. So I agree with you. I think he went for the, the, the safer option. Um, you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, because if he plays for far and he has a stinker of a game, you know, he, everyone would have been crying out for us to be acquitted to have been in that team. So I, I don't think he could have won uh, Graham Potter in that aspect. But I, I think overall, I was impressed with um, the, the lineup. I was impressed with how we started the game, the intensity, the drive. Um, I thought Raheem Sterling playing in that sort of, as you said, like almost a, a left wing back winger sort of hybrids at one point, hogging the touchline, a lot of space down the left side, Mason Mount, basically, James basically
1: well. what Trossard, but essentially the the, the Trossard yeah, yeah. role, essentially like what yeah. Potter did, has been doing with Trossard and, and Solly March. Yeah. So yeah. like technically Sterling is, I suppose, playing as a back, but he's basically playing as a left winger and kind of midfield just drops in to defend that space, basically.
0: Yeah. And I think it works. I think it works mm. against, um, I can't remember the, Defend on the left side, but he worked uh, on the yeah. right side. So he really words for for, for for Sterling.
1: And Sterling said after the game that he was really happy that he was he was playing wider. Like for me, yeah. that was one thing under two. Why didn't I never understood why he was why he was playing Sterling through the middle the whole time? Because Sterling, all right, he did it, he did it a few times at City, but his for, for City career, there, he's me? playing as a as a as a winger. So there's yeah. no surprise that him playing as a winger, and you see with his goal. Like when he cuts yeah. in and he, and he puts it in the corner. How many times have we seen him do that for City? That's virtually what yeah. all his goals have been like for City. So I didn't understand why Tuchel played him down the middle. So if Potter's going to play him in that position, I think it's perfect for him.
0: Yeah, it will work. I think I think this is why I was very positive, albeit that we didn't win the game. I think the reasons that, you know, you can't expect miracles from a team that's obviously low in confidence and, you know, a change in manager. You can't expect miracles. I did expect us to win. 100% because oh, I thought, yeah. you know you know you, you know, you need points you've got two back-to-back AC Milan games that are going to be really difficult even at Stanford Bridge so you need to go into that game it's a, I mean I called it a must win game you know because mm. of what we've got coming up but I, I think it worked. you know I thought I was happy I think once that team hopefully clicks you know you've got to think about Adam Yang, who's you know had a whirlwind of you know 14 days you know the unfortunate robbery in in his house comes to Chelsea, he's back with Tuchel, Tuchel sacked, you know, he's even come out and said, you know, he doesn't feel like he's fully fit, he's not mentally there yeah. 100% that's, as well. I,
1: that's, I, that's why I don't understand, that's one thing I don't get is why why Tuchel chucked him in straight away to yeah. start that Zagreb game. It was too You can too tell much. that he's playing within himself, like that, obviously he's got that fractured jaw, playing yeah. with a mask, you, you, you can tell he's not going in for, he's not giving 100% to everything, he's no. still holding a little bit back. Which makes me think, well, why 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 did Tuchel start him against Zagreb? And then why has he started in, in this game against uh against um Salzburg? Surely yeah. you know, you could have either played Havertz up there, or in my opinion, you should just chuck Brozier up there and, and he's like, done
0: really you know, well when he came Brogure on.
1: Brozier looks good when he came on up. I have mm. to say I thought Obamiang was poor, but it's yeah, not all it's not all his own doing, but he was dreadful. Like you want you just want him in the in the in the area, but he was never in the box. He just he didn't really offer anything. And I'm not saying like that's all Like his fault, he's obviously not 100% fit, so he probably shouldn't be starting these games. But
0: yeah, I I think he offered absolutely nothing. Mm. I think it's more of a mentality thing as well. I think he's, you know, I I can only imagine what it must be like to to go through that trauma um, and then almost just be... Right. You've been, you've been dealt those cards, but now here's a a new set of, you know, things you've got to deal with. And he probably hasn't processed what's happened to him in Spain. So I think it's more a mentality thing as more, and, and, you know, obviously fitness levels. I think he was playing for Barcelona, so it can't really be that much of a fitness thing. Um, I know he, he played in the sort of, it was like a charity game, I think for, against Man City and scored for Barcelona just before his move. So Mm. um, I, I think, I mean, I'm impressed with the squad. I was impressed with what I got to see. I know there wasn't much change from what Thomas Tuchel was was implementing anyway, but just in terms of what Graham Potter's is trying to do, you can see that there's thought process behind it, and I think that was the key thing. Yeah. Um, I thought their goal. Thought Salzburg were, were slightly lucky. I said on the match uh, preview that you know we needed to be very mindful of them. You know, they're top of the Austri- Austrian Bundesliga. They've won seven out of eight games um, domestically as well. Uh, I think they'd scored twenty one goals, I think, in their domestic league already this season. So they're not, you know, very much like Dinamo Zagreb, not to be underestimated. Yeah. And uh, I thought goal that they scored was avoidable. And it was, you know, you, you can break it down in three stages, you know. It's three errors.
1: Like at the end yeah. of the day, you can't make you can't make three errors in a passage of play and expect not to concede a goal. Like one thing I don't yeah. understand is why 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 do we never make tactical fouls? Like we everyone should. does it everyone <laughs> does it against us, but we never yeah. do it. Like we saw it against Southampton. Jorginho could have bought, bought the map, bought his man down on, on yeah. just inside, just like the halfway line, take the booking free kick regroup. Could have done the same again there. Then you see mm. Thiago Silva gets dragged out wide, where he doesn't really like he to, need to go
0: to ground as he well. Didn't. Why is he going he makes, to ground?
1: He makes a bit, look, I, I thought Silva had a great game I and mean, we can't be too yeah. critical of him. But in this instance, like he's, he's made a hash of the tackle where he should do better. Yeah. And Aspen Aquarius is asleep at the back stick. You know, he, he knows that guy's there and he's just, and he's just nowhere near him. So yeah. you can't make three mistakes in in a, in a passage of play and and be surprised that they've scored a goal. So whilst there were a lot of positives and I really liked that how Sterling and James were so high up the pitch and it was really refreshing to see us actually have quite a lot of options in the attacking third, like a lot of bodies in there. Um, but on the flip side it does, if you get caught out, you're left very yeah. exposed. There was a couple of times where, oh, I think one time where we saw Kepper rushing out to sort of... Silver. So, yeah. yeah, rushing out to, to head a ball away, almost, well, not quite at the halfway line, but, you know, that's why I think a sweeper keeper is going to be very important under Potter if he continues playing like this, which is why I think kepper has got much more of a shout of being number one than Mendy does, because Mendy just hasn't mm. got that in his game, or that area of his game is his weakest part, but yeah. you are, like, I liked a lot of it, but you're, you're also very exposed. If you, if you get caught out, like you can, like they could almost be through on goal. If, you, it you happens against
0: Zagreb. Got to that's how Zagreb, yeah. Zagreb got their goal because of our high line. I think mm. it was for buy and missed he, the
1: header and then for got outpaced by Orsich. Yeah, so you've got, yeah. you've got to be careful. There's definitely pros and there's cons and we will get more used to this system and we will play better. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at any and you sort of think, if we're going to play like that, where does Ben Chilwell fit in? Because that one for mm. me seems like that's a shoe-in for Sterling. And then good Chilwell maybe rotate with Rares left of a three? Uh, who, who knows? But yeah, I mean, look, there's there's options there for, for Potter. And there were there were big pluses. As I said, the Sterling and James Hart, the pitch for me was, was a real plus. Just options in the final third. And you could see like slightly different patterns of play and like positive yeah. signs there. But, you know, it's unrealistic to expect overnight change and then the same frailties there individual mistakes, mm. not taking advantage of a game when you're dominating and just not not killing teams off and kind of lots of possession, but I, I, don't, no want call it I don't want to call it pointless possession, but it's like possession, but we're doing nothing with it. Like yeah. it's all very well, we had lots of the ball, but what do we actually do with it? Other than the goal, I think we had what one chance where Mount has like that kind of sliced shot, which he probably should have done a bit better mm.
0: with. Borussia had one in the second half Won as it, well, One, right, one it, towards the end
1: where he skied it. If you're it. looking at that, for a game you've basically dominated, you've kind of had, you've had one, other than your goal, you've had one chance. So it's, this, it's yeah. the same issues that are there, but there were promising signs for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. agree 100%. And I think that hopefully over time um, changes. You know, I think we, like I said, you know, I think it's frustrating. I think this, this season, and I suppose we may as well go into this now in terms of expectations for Graham part mm. of this season. But I think for me, and I said it on the, the the match review that I did yesterday, I, I have written the season off in terms of, you know, trying to win the Champions League or trying to win. You know, we're, we're miles away from trying to win the Premier League or the, you know, the, the Champions League, I think this season. Um, you know, I think this season now is about Graham Potter getting the best out of this team, understanding what his best 11 is, which I think Thomas Tuchel failed to do. I don't think he had a, a consistent 11. You know, you look at a Man City, you can almost name Man City's, maybe they're a bad example, but Liverpool, 100%, you could name Liverpool's best 11, you know. And we never really had that. We never had a consistent 11, a consistent attacking front three or a front two never had that so I think this season for me now Graham Potter's got to get that nailed down um, he's got to get these players playing as a team the, co- the cohesion has to be there. It has to be joined up because if it's not it's pointless sacking Thomas Tuchel you've sacked a, a, a world class you know world class manager and brought in someone who is a brilliant manager but doesn't have that level of you know uh, experience you know playing in the Champions League or dealing with massive players in terms of like you just mentioned Patrick Abamiangs and you know just a high profile player he hasn't really had that so i want it to work i want it to be that the, the, the project needs to be uh you know seen from start to end for potter i think it the five years um but i, I suppose i'll ask you what, what's the expectations for you now as a as a chelsea fan what do you think this season realistically is is the, the, the objectives really i mean
1: i think i think we, as as fans I certainly for me kind of I've only ever grown up with Chelsea winning stuff. Is have like been, been very spoiled because all we yeah. did under Roman was win trophies. Like I don't think we didn't go we didn't go consecutive seasons without winning a trophy. There was always the longest gap without winning a trophy was like one season. So yeah. I think we've got to slightly readjust our expectations and kind of realise where we are. I know that as, as fans, it's hard to do that because you get so emotive. Like you know, you feel you should be doing better. But I think we've got to really strip it back and just be like, look. We're not as good as we think we are. We're nowhere near as good as we have been in the past. Like We're going through a transitional period. There's going to be, don't get me wrong, there's going to be more pain to come this season. Things could get worse before they get better. Like And and, and that's just the way it is. And we have to prepare ourselves for that and realize that, you know, you don't start a project and then, you know, after sort of a couple of weeks or a few matches think, no, nah, no, nah, this is not working. You've got to stick mm. with it like you know you've got to give it time this is going to take time it's going to take time for potter to implement things it's going to take time for him to get used to how chelsea operates it's going to take time to get his ideas across bring his bring players in that he wants to bring in what direction we're going to go in so for me i think season expectations i don't really have too many but i think it's i know they've i know it's been reported that if we were to miss out on the top 4 that hasn't got any impact on potter's future i think that is the right thing but what it does have an impact on is the ability to attract certain players because there are certain mm. there's, there's a certain if you go shopping in a certain category of player, the Champions league, certain don't they? players, yeah. they're not going to join a Europa League club, despite what yeah. Chelsea have got that's in if, their history. Yeah. That's like, if you get the Europa they, League. Well, there's, there's there's a problem there. So mm. I mean, look, for me, I think top four has got to be it sounds ridiculous saying it, but top four's got a bit got to be the minimum, and I think that's mm. very doable. But I also look at the league and I think apart from Manchester City, like everything else is quite up for grabs because you know, no one's the, Liverpool aren't playing well. Okay, Arsenal are playing well at the moment, but you know they they'll they'll have a period of drop a off. off. Yep. U- United seem to be getting a bit of a head of steam under Ten Hag at the moment, but you look at them and you think, well, they could be there or thereabouts in the top four, but you probably think there's teams better than them, and then there's also Spurs as well, who obviously are playing well and play, like picking up results under Conte, but not playing well. So you look at it and you think City probably is shoeing for the title, but the rest of the places as it stands right now. They're all up for grabs. I'm not. I'm not saying by any means we could come. Second, we're going to come second in the league, but you only have to go on a bit of a run, and mm-hmm. you could quite easily find yourself like in 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 second place. But for me, I think top four has got to be the priority. Um, a, a decent run in the Champions League. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but you, you'd like to think like a quarter final at least, or something like that and then yeah. maybe maybe a, a domestic cup. I mean, you, you think League Cup would be the the, the the easiest one to get, but unfortunately, we've got City away in the third round, so <laughs> we, 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 we could be out. Um, yeah. But yeah, for me, mate, it's got to be top four, and then I just think a decent run in the Champions League. If we can get a domestic cup, great, but I'm not really expecting too much from this season. I think it's just about Potter getting his feet under the table, getting mm. his ideas across, at, seeing progression as a team in terms of how we're played and how... Cohesive, we are seeing patterns of play, clear patterns of play, and identity as well. I think those would be big pluses, I and mean, we just have to strip the expectations right back. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. And I think that's the only thing we can do. You know, I think that's the only thing we can do is, you know, as Chelsea fans, is just you know, anything beyond top four for me is a bonus, even trophies, even yeah. the FA Cup, Carabao Cup, um, progression in the Champions League or, or beat the Europa League. If we don't, yeah. we, you know, we don't make it through the group stages, but uh, look, this season for me isn't about winning trophies. It's about seeing the team perform as a team. And, you know, at the start of the season, um, you know, I said, you know, there's close the gap on Liverpool and City, but, you know, if anything, the last, you know, six games has told me and, you know, to make the Champions League it's, we're miles away from them we are we, we, as much as we we think we're you know closer than we think we are to them we, we're really not and um, I, I agree with you 100% this is our, our time now to reset transitional period or whatever we want to call it um, and and get the team playing as well as they can and I think that's what we've got to do 100%
1: yeah, I'd agree with it it's as simple as that we just got to reset everything and, and we're almost I'm not saying we're starting from scratch but we just, we've got to, you know, strip the expectations back and just, you know, back the manager and just go with whatever happens. You know, there's no point us, you know, calling for managers to be sacked when we go on our first bad run of form, because you're never going to get anywhere if you just keep replacing the manager.
0: Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. hundred Charlie, it's been really good having you on. Um, just before you go, I know you did it at the very start, but just, let everyone know where they can find your uh, podcast and your YouTube channel, the Blues Brothers.
1: Yeah, so Blues Brothers literally on on YouTube. Just type in blue, the Blues Brothers. there. like it normally it does come up with like some music. When it's not that, if you just put Blues, <laughs> Bro- just put Blues Brothers Chelsea, it, it'll come up and, and, and you'll see it. That's obvious, and and just yeah, everything's on there um so if you want to follow me on twitter then my if you're watching it on youtube my handles on, on, on will be on the screen so you can drop me a follow on there if you want to but yeah basically just the blues brothers on youtube subscribe to the channel if you can be greatly appreciated yeah uh, that's where that's where basically all the content is
0: yeah, in fact, well, I'll put some links in the description Not to everything, so save save everyone time searching. Yeah. But, Charlie, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on, hopefully, when Theo's stopped traveling yeah, as a, sure. a jet setter and he's, he's back in <laughs> England. But, um, yeah, we'll get everyone back on and, and do this again. It's been fun. But thanks for joining. This has been episode 68 of From the Shedden Podcast with myself, uh, Theo, and Charlie. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back, hopefully, very soon with another episode.